0: Well, I have to admit that um, I wouldn't mind a break. Felt, felt like a zombie in the last f- year. <clears throat> but um, I've been pretty busy since, um, well, have been busy since I got born again. <clears throat> but this one, from the conf—no, uh, the um, protest uh, on that Tuesday, I was virtually on the road. And straight away the next, next day, next evening, and have had meetings um, all up and down the country. Those uh, meetings have been highly successful. It's amazing the amount of people that come out, and um, the majority of them are non-Christian, by the way, um, and they are just kind of hungry for hope, hungry for hope. I can't believe people who are saying, you've just given me hope. And I was talking about some other things, you know, but they get hope from, from you know, what I'm saying but I think that's in your spirit and what you come out with and what you share are words but every word carries something of you and you can't hide that and that's why if you're fully with Christ Christ comes through strong when you have a strong authentic belief I've always believed that so you can be talking one thing and something else is coming out of your belly called rivers of living water and um i am so thankful that i can be feeding hope to our nation and so uh, we're finished up over at tauranga and um then i'll be back on it and involved in it as you know i'm fighting for my nation the soul of my country has already been stolen um it's going to take a, a kind of a revival in some sense amongst people who who are unfamiliar with the term, to see that their future for their children hangs in the balance and their grandchildren. And if we don't do something very drastic to interrupt um, the building by people who don't care about what you believe. And they can just easily, like the cancel culture, that's what Hannah talked about. The moment they knew that probably my name or the church um, people will shut it down and cancel. That's going to happen this year. So I suggest that you get an old Doobie Brothers song called Dangerous yeah. <laughs> and listen to it a few times. It's um, going to be a dangerous ride. Yeah. And um, I understand if you, your association with me is too much and you want to forsake me and deny me. <laughs> Sounds like a bit familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's okay. I know people... I'm not putting... In this. I know some people have got businesses. Some people have got schools. This is... I think I need to say this. Um, you don't have to say anything about me, relationship to us or the church. That's your choice. What I'm doing is I'm not cutting down the line and saying, you know, if you deny me, then I deny you, sort of thing. But I know... True blue, people who love God, love Jesus, saw that he went through the same thing. And um, he was merciful to those like Peter who denied him. And so I, who am I, you know? People turn away and walk away from you. That's their business. But as Jamie spoke last week, you know, you can come home anytime you like. So it is Father's Day. I was going to talk about something else, and I forgot it was Father's Day, until I got on a reminder, <laughs> and I thought, no, I want to talk about Father's Day, and, and I'll do that in a way that um, it's going to be, you know, nice, and then it's not going to be very nice. Okay, so it means it's got all the, the elements of truth in it. How's that? Take a seat for a while. Welcome, everybody. Give yourself a great big hug. Yep, just in case nobody did today. Hug yourself. I always say, if nobody likes me, I still do. <laughs> right. I want to go from the... Give me the scripture uh, from Luke chapter 15. And I'll read it from here. And we'll, you're all familiar with the prod, prodigal son. I'll read it just for new people. I want to kind of springboard from this story, if that's Okay right all good good to see you today those online again welcome everybody this is a father's day i think i put a as a title um what did i put (laughs) fathers why fathers is that right why fathers is it why a father because we live in a fairly mixed up world all right i'm just waiting for my scripture (laughs) <laughs> there it is. Oh well. A certain man had two sons. That's cool. How many people had two sons? And the younger of them said, "I haven't got it on here yet." The younger of them said to his father, "Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me." That sounds like an inheritance. So he divided them, uh, th- divided them his livelihood. That's pretty cool. Just, just hold it back there. It is great. How many have been on the benefactors of your father's um, wealth and inheritance, your mother, from family? Ooh, not a. So, a handful of a handful of people in this room, which probably is a good poll. A lot haven't. All right, that's interesting, isn't it? Divide them as livelihood. Okay, we'll have the next scripture. Thanks. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That word prodigal is very important. It means recklessness, extravagant recklessness, but it also means um, it goes into a more uh, disordinate um, and a way of living that is riotous, um, irresponsible, and eventually gets to the point where it gets a long way, way away from the pattern of God's family. Isn't that amazing? So he went with prodigal living. Okay, okay we'll carry on. <clears throat> when he had spent all the all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Just stay there for a moment. Did you know one of the main ways that God uses to push you when you won't move toward his purpose? Famine. Now you say, well, I've never had one of those. I don't starve. Well, famine is not necessarily just connected or locked into food shortage. It's any shortage. Famine of love. A famine of acceptance. A famine of hope. Right? You get, so I can go on, you can fill it all in. So when your normal life has been disrupted to God, he uses the term famine. Because when you're comfortable and when you're privileged, so you have everything you need you're not pushed then god has to push you and i believe god's been pushing us since covid-19 started he's pushed us to where he wants us and it's not usually where we want to go so it began to be in want so there it goes and let's go again next scripture then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine he literally was working in the pig pens Okay, so is that far as I had it, 15? I think it is. Well, it might be 24, actually. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with all the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. Well, that's getting pretty low. Eat the pig food. But when he came to himself, when he came to himself, when he started thinking properly, when he just damn well got over his arrogance and his pride, when he started listening to his father and his mother, when he started listening to good advice... When he stopped being stubborn and self-willed, then he said, How many of my father's hired servants, even servants, have bread enough to spare, even? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. Hold it there. I will arise and go to my father. That seems to be the answer to every social ill. It's got to be. The Bible says he went through everything till he hit the pig pens. Right? So I'll go to my father and say to my father, I want to get it right. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he's still a great way off, his father saw him, and he's a good dad, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's good. I'll just stop there. So here's the story, and I know most of you know it. It's a story about two sons, one son who decided he would do his life without his father. In a way, that's the story. It's not about getting his inheritance or the other son staying there because he was faithful. He had attitudinal problems as well because a little bit longer... In the story, the other boy had stayed home, got jealous because of what the other son got from the father. You have to be very careful here because the father holds the key to be able to prevent envy, jealousy, and hate ever having any root in the child or the children's heart. Did you hear that? The way to prevent, Adults becoming envied and hateful, right, and jealous. Jealousy has many forms. You know, it it has a tendency to want to be envious of somebody because of what they have, right? Some people get upset because that jealousy can be manifested or revealed as anger, hatred, criticism, right? putting down people. And all that sort of thing, you know what I'm talking about. So when you have that going on, that means the root of that is a spirit of jealousy. And that jealousy came from Father pain, And that Father pain is to be explained properly. Remember the first murder in human history was between two brothers, Cain and Abel. What happened here was Cain killed his brother Abel because... His his offering was not acceptable by the father. So the father favored the offering from Abel and not the one from Cain. So the father rejected one and accepted the other. You with me? Now, you have to understand to see here that the dad was doing something that was putting right what was wrong that was brought by the two different brothers. Being correction is not always and shouldn't be received as rejection. You understand what I'm saying? So parents should never hesitate to correct their kids, but they must understand that good, positive and strong correction is not rejection. So when you correct, you also love. You affirm. You explain why to the... the the daughter or the son that you are saying or doing what you are doing, knowing that that love brings to them the shaping of their spirit, their soul, and their inner being and their thinking, all that sort of stuff. So you are sculpting their inner life to be able to be a responsible, healthy, crime-free, prosperous individual for the future. Right, yeah, so when you understand that, when he's correcting, you're correcting, it's not rejecting, and at the same time, parents should never not correct as rather being perceived as being an abusive parent in this wokey society today. Um, kids can report and ring up on their children because perhaps they think that they're abusing them. Right, that's how far. Sick society has got. So I want to talk a little bit about some things here. So I'll do a mixture of what this means. Hopefully you'll get something today and those watching. So just give me a little bit of time. We'll work together. How's that? And um, I I believe we're going to have a great time. So let's let's first of all put this in perspective because Jesus is telling us a beautiful parable of one of the greatest truths uh, that basically is in humankind and that truth is he's bringing it right back to home i've always said this that the family is the most powerful unit in society i'm shocked when they put a poll out about the five most important things issues to the public of new zealand as far as politics goes and the usual was first what money in fact can i just interject something in here did you see recently the U-turn, the flip-flop, the, the about-face of Labor when they came out and were gonna steal my retirement fund by taxing it, <laughs> GTS? And I know there's some things about this, but they try to hide it in the omnibus of many taxes or tax um, legislations they have ready to, to throw on us. They were kind of doing it under the radar a bit and thinking that it would slip through without anybody knowing. But some journalist, must be one that's not been brought off, got onto it and, and brought it out to us that, hold oh, on a moment, they're, they're stealing billions of dollars of our savings. And um, what happened was there was a public uproar. It's called mass protest. That's what it was. That Labor government would never flip-flop or do it. This is a 24-hour um, Ooh, I was going to say a wrong word about face. Okay, this is a twenty-four hour, twenty-four hour flip, right? Twenty-four hour. So you don't come out with a major inland revenue minister with a major um, uh, announcement that you're going to bring a new tax on the public, um, and you would talk about you get that you get your ducks right first. This is how incompetent, how bad this government is. Sorry, it's Father's Day, but I'm giving you an example, right? <laughs> The public rose up and there was an outcry and they didn't even march It was just sheer numbers of the public of new zealand that's usually <laughs> asleep at the wheel at that but they rose up and then immediately the government even jacinda was pushed back and they got on their room and said oh my gosh they're turning on us it's overwhelming get out there and flip-flop so they did the big flip-flop and says oh, i'm sorry you did the wrong thing public please still believe in us and still vote for us? Okay, it worked. Now, what ticked me off about all of this, that we got people who have been mandated out of jobs, lost their livelihoods, people who are forced into a medical procedure, and, and I can go on and on and on, the, the extreme control, the dividing of our country, the splitting of families, the harming and the hurting mentally, and I can go on emotionally, even a lot of people I'm talking to now didn't have done nothing to hear your voice be heard. And yet when money, when money was involved, when money was involved, New Zealand, you got off your lazy backsides and did the biggest protest ever in this country yet. And you pushed them back. Well, if we did the same thing about bad governance and the way they've treated us, we'd have them out this afternoon. But you won't. You go back to your car and your house and your batch and your job, as long as that's not touched. But the moment your money's touched, you'll do everything, won't you? You'll dive out of your houses. I I find that absolutely shameful. Money over morals. You don't care about what matters in life. And so my point was, the first thing that people put on when they were polled in this country was money. Money's the most important. Two was health, education. There wasn't even, out of the top five, family didn't even get near it. Family never figured. Nobody in this country, well, the masses at least, don't care about your father, your mother, your husband, your wife, your kids called your children, your sons and your daughters, and your grandchildren, your beautiful grandchildren, and of your beautiful great-grandchildren, you don't care enough to believe that they are more valuable than stinking money, than, than, than some the education's important, and immigration, whatever it was, and however the taxation, all that stuff. You, you put that before family? Oh. Well, I did preach it. I'm not supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be talking father, fatherhood. But this is important to it. Because that's why we're failing as a country. We're failing because our priorities are wrong, New Zealand. The church is no better. The church does not see the priority that you've got to have a good father. And the Antichrist spirit hates fatherhood. Fatherhood is the worst to the devil and I'll tell you why in a moment. We'll get there. That's a pretty, you know, big sort of polarizing statement to make early in in, in having a happy Father's Day. But if you understand what I'm getting at here, if you don't have the family healthy, you can't have a healthy community. Most families in New Zealand finding a struggle and a difficulty to be able to keep their own little nuclear unit together. I'm talking about the dad and the mum and the children. You know what I mean? I'm just talking about, if can we hold that down? Can, can that be healthy? And then measuring, what is a healthy family? And then now we have to measure or to define, what is a family? A lot of people in your country, I'd like to say to you, have a very different definition of family than you do. And maybe we could be in the minority soon. Many people have different definitions of who is the father and who is the mother now. I mean, you wouldn't have never talked about this, say, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years, definitely not. It was clear what a father and a man was and what a woman and a, a mother was or a wife. You understand what I'm saying? But now it's uh, people are afraid this is my concern people are afraid to uphold what they believe is the truth because they are afraid of being knocked over by those who have a louder voice promoting perversity i celebrate diversity but i do not celebrate perversity and it's it's the perverse in the diverse that I object to. I accept. And the other day I made an announcement at a meeting. Nobody picked it up when I talked about the new umbrella party. That all sorts of not just political parties, but organisations, groups, you know, interest groups. All the young mums with babies can come under the umbrella. They don't have to be political, but they can have somebody represent them in their next election. If they get through with the party vote on the umbrella, then you can have them their voice right at the table in parliament. No more lobbying, no more being left out. All the construction workers, all the builders, Dave, and and you know, you can have all of these things grouped together, long as there's a good number, and now you have a voice because you can have somebody in there rather than have some creepy people locked up in there deciding what's best for all of us, how we should be educated, what jobs we have. So now you, 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 get, you get this, you understand. I even said that the LGBTIQ, right, the alphabet community can join us too. That's what I said. They can come under the umbrella and because I believe in diversity. But I don't necessarily go along and believe everything that different groups believe. I disagree with some of their ideology. I disagree with some of these. They probably disagree with me. But I don't hate you. I don't, don't shut you down, I don't want to silence you, and I'm not going to cancel your building you're meeting at, your public, whatever. It's a public building, whatever. I'm not going to go and get behind the scenes and say, cancel them, because I don't like them. I don't do that sort of stuff. I've never canceled any pride parade. I've never canceled any people who don't like God parade. I don't interfere with the atheists. They can meet where they like, they can meet in the middle of the town. I wouldn't go and cancel their building. Yet we have been subjected to this cancellation culture. They go everywhere and they're doing it all over. We can't find anywhere to meet. What for? For Freedom Connect groups. They keep cancelling them. Christchurch cancelled them all. In Dunedin cancelled them. Over in Rotorua cancelled. cancelled. Tauranga they were cancelling us. They were were pushing you right out. you. You have to go to the country. Can you believe we're living in a country now where we're getting strung out and and we're getting shut down by the government and the media and so you you've got all of this going on now and I am talking about a umbrella of hope I'm talking about a code of hope I'm talking about now reuniting uniting all New Zealanders no matter what you believe but we can't keep being nasty we cannot keep cancelling each other out not that we are but we are up you have to get to a point where you believe your convictions, that's your beliefs, about God. And you have to stand all by yourself. Practice at home first, where nobody's against you. Nobody's coming down on you. No whanau are saying you can't come to the next hui. The school teacher says your child can't come back to the classroom because they go to Destiny Church. Now I'm talking some stuff here. This is real right now. This is going on right now. Because you belong to that church, you'll be cancelled. You'll be discriminated against. You'll be put aside. You will not be selected. You'll not be allowed admission. You'll be put off your job. You'll have people look down on their nose at you. Why? Not because of Destiny Church. It's not Destiny Church. It's not Brian Tamaki. It's Christ. It's God Himself. You might say, no, it isn't. It's you. But no, no, it's not. It's just that I've had a lot, bit more courage and a lot more than some people to actually stand against the tide of evil and the tide that's resisting and they want to bring in all sorts of ugly, horrible, evil stuff. I just happen to say, well, no, I'm not going to be hiding in my house. I'm not going to team up with some other people and cowardly let them get away with it and roll over and let them rule, let them take everything out over, let them set the new rules, let them tell us what we're going to do. Come on. I never saw Jesus said, you know, be thou a doormat and and let all the wrong people wipe their feet on your face. Never. And I've never grown up. I thought I was growing up in a country where Kiwis, Kiwis are good, strong men, good, strong women. But I found out that's not been so. I found out the Kiwi culture is riddled with failure and falseness. And if you can't stand up for what you love, what hope does your children and your grandchildren have when the man cannot be a man and stand to protect? To provide for his children and to prevent any sort of wrong teaching and wrong education and wrong voices and wrong, you know, things coming from all sorts of avenues to try and twist your kids up. Yeah. So now we've got to raise fathers to save our children. Welcome to Man Up. Man up's been nothing more than actually protecting what's been under threat and assault for a long time, and that's true fatherhood. Man, I'm proud to stand here today to say, I'm a real father. I'm a true father. I'm a Kiwi dad. I love my children. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my future. I love your family. I love your children. I love your grandchildren. I love my culture. I love my land. I love my New Zealand. But I hate... Anything, anything that ruins our kids' future. I hate any spirit that would try and take our children's lives away and pervert them. I will stand against that. These people twist all sorts of things that we say, and now they're beginning to categorize us. Look, the truth is, church, we just can't do it like we did before. Church is not the same. You have to be involved. It's not a choice, really. If you don't make a choice, that means you've made um, a decision to allow your house to be raided. And for our kids to be plunder. David knew what it was when an enemy plundered his family while he was doing God's work. And boy, we've never seen such emotion, such tearing of the heart. Of a man who wept and cried, and even his own soldiers turned on him, because they knew when it came to the end of the day what really mattered was family and when the enemy plundered their wives and took their children away, these men lost their heart, true soldiers and warriors that could fight for anything. But when you lose your children, you lose your family, you lose your great grandchildren, your grandchildren then you've lost everything. On your deathbed, you're not going to be saying, you know, build the business, honey. Keep making as much money as you can and, you know, buy the latest, get the latest, you know, BMW. Anybody talks like that, they're really just trying to be something because they're hurting inside and trying to give you a funny front. In my bedside, I want to be having a happy moment of knowing that I did everything I could do for God. Blow my money, blow my business, blow my car, blow my truck, blow the farm, blow the house, blow whatever I've got as, as material. Mate, where you're going, nothing's going with you. You came in here naked, you're going out naked. And what matters to God is not what you owned, and what how much you accumulated and your stinking money or your drugs or your booze or your batch or your What's gonna matter is he's gonna say, What did you do for me? He already knows. Don't dear God, you lie down here, don't lie up there. That ain't gonna work. Before you open your uh dot he knows your thoughts. Don't even answer me. I'll give you another go at it. What did you do for me? Now you start telling the truth. Well, actually, I was a part-timer. I know. i got a part-time house for you down there. <laughs> I want to go up there with the rest that are raging and glory. They're flying around the universe. No, 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 no. You're down there, part-timers on earth. And it ain't so glorious. Now, that's not a, nothing of this is a part of the script. So... <laughs> And he arose and came to his father. He arose and he came to his father. And he was a great way off. His father had compassion. True dads never lose their love for their children, even when they're rebellious adults. That's a good statement, Jamie. You can always come home. You can always come home. I don't like your decision. I don't like what you're doing. Daughter, son. I I, I can't do anything about it. I, I, I believe I did my best. Sometimes you have those situations. But love and acceptance should never leave the sense or feeling that your children have about that. I know some I know some daughters have had huge problems with their dads. As much as sons have had problems with their dads it's something that goes with them throughout life like a stone in both shoes <laughs> one's bad but in both shoes you walk through life knowing doesn't no matter how much you do do and get and how well you make it in life when your relationship with your dad wasn't good It'll affect you right into your 70s, 60s and 70s and 80s. Sometimes you think, my dad's dead, what more can I do? Well, I'm telling you right now, you can still have healing about what you once didn't have or had with your father who's long gone. Isn't that good? In fact, I feel people are being healed right now. I am just talking, you're hearing and healing at the same time because you're saying, no, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. My dad wasn't, he was absent father, Brian. He was there, but he was an absent dad. He didn't show me love. He had no emotions. We can go on and say to the extremities of abuse, whether it's mental abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, it's been in most homes. Today, domestic violence is still the police's major call-out work. Did you know that? The police's main major call-out work, uh, 75% of it, is to domestic violence. Okay. All right, let's pull it around a little bit and just talk a bit. I believe that fatherlessness has been the major cause in allowing rage to come into the generations. Rage. Rage. You know the ram rage you see? The v- wave of violence. I mean, uh, well, this is open violence. The shootings. Um, young delinquents. I mean, oh, you're talking to kids, 12. Even younger. A bit, who are taking traction, just doing it. This is like a fad. It's almost police kind of, it's not really a police problem. It should never be a police problem. It's not a police problem. And it surely isn't a parliamentary problem. You understand what I'm saying? So people look to to politicians and they blame them for domestics. What happens in your home is not the fault of a government, at least when I say that, At the foundation of why a government exists, they can be the cause of a lot of problems, but usually they've been trying to tackle problems, and now people put the blame on a prime minister or government. I know this, you you know, I know that there's problems in there right now, but the next people that come in, I'd hate to be the next prime minister that comes in if I I was, and I'm not by the way, but I'd hate to be the next prime minister, next government. Whoa, they're going to be hit with probably debt that's going to last for 50 years and they're going to be hit with um, all of the problems that labor leaves and when they take off and don't think national's got the answer. They're thinking just, see how people are hungry for power? So hungry for power, they forget the responsibility or what they're going to get. If Luxton and, and Seymour and others, and Māori Party, if they knew, because they're hungry for power, some people, they're more hungry for power than money. To control you. A husband or a wife wants to control each other. (laughs) To have power. To be able to control others. To get them to think like you, to work for you, and to be obedient to you, is a huge part of the human makeup. Whether you like this or not. You get a dog or a puppy, the first thing you do is you want to teach it obedience. Most times. Most people are... Are um, like lions, want to protect their patch, want to protect their own only, and they'll kill to keep their own. Yeah, see, you have to see that when we're talking about fatherhood, that's almost like God represented on the earth and flesh as the dad. The children usually have no other way of knowing about God except through the father. That was the plan of God. Even the woman wasn't created by God. She came via the man. understand what I'm saying? No, taking no importance away from our beautiful mums and wives and ladies. It's just that they directly, God, gave something special on the male, the man. Can I talk a bit here? Of course I can. On the mic. What am I doing? So, when God created man, He was the glory of himself. That's Corinthians 11. So I'm supposed to, as a male, that gender. Now, you know why we've got transgenderism such a problem? It's to miss the identity of Christ and the human. That's all it is. So I reflect the glory of God, and now the woman doesn't have that same direct reflection from God. 1 Corinthians 11 says very clearly that the woman is now the reflection of the glory of man. She's the glory of me. So how does the glory? She shines from me. Do, do you get this? And so the man, his, his shining, his glory, his stability to build the perfect family kind of like saying that -- is that he's deeply connected to Christ. And that's the glory of Christ, is the man. Have you got the scripture there? Oh, we have to. Thank you. So, do you understand this? Very important. So, how important is fatherhood? Very. So, when fathering hasn't happened in a family or it's been dysfunctional, rage gets in. Now, when you think of rage, you're thinking, oh, I haven't seen it. No, there's a lot of silent, angry men. <laughs> It's almost a a contradiction, isn't it? That silence and quietness and anger can dwell in the same bosom. Oh, yes, it does. Most men don't rage like some do. They burn inside. And often it's kept quiet and it's subdued, but it's there. You Ask a woman who has to live with a man who gives the silent treatment. But you feel there's a cruelty coming through his ways. And sometimes the way that they're hurt is not by a physical object, but by a tongue. Is that right? And sometimes you can wreck and destroy your house through a wayward tongue. And you can either build it up with your tongue, your mouth, your words, or pull it down. But the Father ultimately... He is not Hitler. He is not a tyrant in his house. To never say anything like that. I very, very rarely said, no, my decision is this and that's it. I very rarely said that. Oh, no, some of you guys that are pulling that regularly, you need to cut it out. That's bullying your wife. And that's you being insecure about what you've got a problem with in your, your manhood, all right? Is that okay? Please accept that as correction and not rejection. <laughs> I, I even hear, I hear most stuff from Hannah. She would tell me and she would, she has the freedom to feel free to disagree with me without thinking she's transgressing some scripture that you fellas might quote, or some, a lot of religious churches do, and people all the time quote at me online. Yeah, you, know, you quote scriptures like that. How dare you use scriptures as a whip and as a controlling mechanism on your spouse in front of your house? Oh, I don't like that. And somebody said, but God said. As soon as they say that in the middle of a family, I've seen it. I've heard it. I've been, all the years I've watched it around me. I've been a, I've been a, a, a victim of it and I've seen it and it's helped me what not to do, all right? So this is very important. And, and wives and husbands together, the wisdom of the woman, read, read Proverbs about her gifts and talents. So a man does himself a disservice when he keeps his wife tied up, not in a way that you can see, but just, it's almost the silent vibes. You know what I mean? It's very strong in some cultures. It, it has it has the same destination and the outcomes, but it might travel down different roads. In European families it's usually silent, it's secret and it's just something that's been culturalized over years. In Māori families it's quite it's quite physical and it's manifested at the moment, at the time, and it's very very much made vocal and expressive. And that's not because it's wrong and that one's wrong, it's because of cultural how culturally it's, it's built itself collectively into a lifestyle. There's a lot more. I'm just being overview, right? This is more from experience rather than going to university to be a counselor. <laughs> this father, this father held it together. It seems that the further away that children even into their adulthood go away from a father's love or her father's strength and a father's influence the more likely they are to get in the pig pen of life the pig pen that jesus uses here is interesting he chooses something that probably jews wouldn't have liked him to have used jewish people are not into swine in any shape or form jesus uses the worst illustration you can think of in a fatherhood um, principle Do you see that he says the pig he got the boy got to working for a pig farmer he got so low in life that he was wanting to eat it now that's more illustrative it speaks more specifically about how low in life people can get now i know pig pens i've seen domestic pigs we, I'm from the farm background in the early years. We had pigs, and man, they muddied up the place, and it was stink. It was stink. And they threw anything in there. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to give you any illustrations. It's just they'll eat anything. They'll stink. They'll sloppy. There was no, There was just do it anywhere. It was smelly. Did you know Jesus is using that as the lifestyle of a lot of people? lifestyle of humans the the whole prodigal thing meant that that's what it was meaning it was mean inordinate living to excess so he was talking about to the point where humans were no better than pigs now come on it's this, this is I've done some looking at this and a bit of revelation with it that, he, that when you're talking about when you're talking about father, fathering or a son, it can come two ways. Don't be a father who sends your children, you send your children to the big pens. Don't be a dad that you actually cause your daughters and your sons to literally go and get away as far as they can from you. I am appalled at the number of families who, who do not have much connection to their children in adulthood. I, am. I have nothing to do with my father or mother or well, my son now and they have nothing to do and they just do their own thing, you know, leave and cleave. I mean, but what about the grandchildren? So there's no relationship with them. The grandchildren hardly know that they've got grandparents. Some grandparents don't want kids around them anymore. It's just This, this is all my New Zealand. I'm talking about why we have the problems we have today. It all comes back to what I'm talking about. But the father takes the rap, right? Not my wife. She doesn't take the rap. If you've got a bad wife, grow some biggies. That's why God gave you the extra blessing, that you are the glory of God himself. She's just the glory of you. And your glory is what? You're thinking that I can't handle this? Then why should she stay with you, you wimp? I'm being straight up. God gave a man the ability to have strength. He is the stronger vessel. So yes, you should be able to shoulder more than her emotionally and mentally and physically and sexually. You're supposed to protect her. And if she has a spin out, you stay strong. I see more men spinning out and the woman staying strong. And then she's got to raise the family because he's chickened off. He's a ticky hidey off to a, a hickory to nowhere, and there's plenty of those brothers around, useless. Oh, I'm coming hard on here. They got kids and they're not even not there to raise them. If you can't raise them, don't have them and don't be involved in the process that gets them. All ladies, zip up. Even if he's kissing you, say, "Oh, he's a hunk. Watch out! You're going to have misery for 15 years after you have sexual intercourse." Some of you are regretting it right now, but you can't even look at him because he's right next to you. <laughs> oh, look! You know, come on. I've, I've, you know, that's out there, not in here. You can look at your wife or your husband, or somebody, if they're not that, don't look at them at all. Okay. <laughs> This, but this is true, isn't it? It's true. There are far too many men who are weak. They're weak. What a moon? You know what I mean? And she says, "Well, this is what we're going to do." And she does all the planning. I mean, let—I mean, a good man can have it because wives they, they love getting around and folding clothes and going into your bags and—and and they do the cooking and they do this and that. And they, let them go. Because you've got bigger things to deal with. Making sure the income that you're providing. And then you're giving values to your children. You're giving your wife confidence that she's got a man, not a male. Otherwise, if it's just a male, you might as well get a dog in. You're not born a man. You're born a male. You've got to become a man. Oh, hold on a moment there. Just becoming a man is not a victory. It can be a celebration. But after a man, you've got to become a husband. Don't even think about making kids until you arrive at that point. Three stages. First, get out of being just a male dog and be a man. So we now differentiate you between animals out there and a human. What do you call a bull? Before it's, when it's born, it's, it's a bull, but it's a male if it's got a, the biggies. And it's a cow, right? <laughs> If she's got an udder, <laughs> not talking nature. The bull doesn't become a bull until he knows what he's doing and he's used and he's doing the job, right? Don't look at me like he's a zoom. Sort of I gotta, I gotta, if, they, if they're gonna do sex education to your children in school through the LGBT community, rainbow community, and they're sexualizing your kids all the wrong way, well, at least I can do is explain to you what's the difference between a male and a Man. I should have the biggest clap in this room that you could ever give. Oh, she's a female. A female only becomes a woman when she understands that she's no longer just a female. Right? Becomes a woman. So becoming a wife takes on extra responsibilities to become a husband. So you do not become a father until you become a husband, guys. Don't have kids before you're married. You can only be—you could be a father that gets married, otherwise, ladies, you are stupid in allowing him to give you a child in your belly, and he hasn't said yes. I'll marry you. Yeah. And not only because the stupidity, you might find that how you're rude, Brian. Well. <laughs> Let me tell you why, because your child, you put in you through the guy that hasn't said, got you to be married. But then your values are probably low too, because you didn't say, well, you need to put one of these babies on my finger before you put that baby in me. That's a good clap right there. Oh my gosh, come on. This. You don't want your daughter waddling home. Hi, Mammy. And I haven't seen you for five years, honey. What's that? Is it, you put weight on? No, 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 no. That's a baby. Oh, okay. Where's the. They don't never. You never ask that. You just get happy and they hug, you see. See, there's the values right there. But then you don't reject them either. I don't want to ever make my daughter feel like she had to that. I would be different to what you're saying. I wouldn't push out the door. Someone said, oh, what if they came and your son came in and is, is gay? I love him. I, I was in love with him before he left the house. The father was in love with the prodigal, the excessive. Inordinate means actually going into lifestyles of perversion. That's what that real word means. This is where I get quoted wrong in the paper. News Hub and Herald just takes a statement out and says, I hate gays. That's not it. This is about getting it right. Otherwise, our society will keep degenerating until it's you wouldn't Understand what they did at Sodom and Gomorrah when Lot had these angels come quickly in the story. And what happened was, all the men of the city came outside Lot's door and he said, I've got two virgin daughters. Because what they did, they said, Send us out the two, send us out those two men that came walking in. They were angels coming to check it out to tell Lot. God's about to put this thing in the furnace. The city is so bad. The, the bad thing of this was the gay lifestyle. <laughs> Why should I not talk about this? They talk about you and me like nobody's business. They, they daily run down me in the papers and they're from that particular leaning, lifestyle. They are running down my lifestyle of faith. They run down me. I'm not running them down at all. I'm just saying the truth of this is saying that all of the men of that city got to a point of perversity that they wanted the two men who were angels. So they must have looked pretty human. But there was something about them. And you know what Lot did so that he would not even agree with or enter into thinking that the gay lifestyle was valid. He said, take my virgin daughters and rape them. You don't know the Bible, do you? And what did the angels say? No. He said, hold on. And he grabbed Lot and he pulled them in. And one of them went outside and whoomph, hit them all and blinded them. And then he said, right, you get your family out of here. Don't look back. That's what he said. That's when you get to her turned into a pillar of salt. Remember, Lot's wife? Because what was God's message? He said, I don't agree with this stuff. I don't hate, I don't want you to hate these people. And that's why Jesus was talking about this whole thing of a father being the uniting factor, the father being the, the coming back home factor. That the father is the one who will lead the way to uniting what's been torn apart. Isn't that good? It's good good stuff. Um, so let, let me just finish with this. Yeah, bringing this all in, so when you see, um, when I was talking about this, the greatest, the biggest march just happened about two months ago, did you know the protest march in history? Two million people, that's a lot. That's, that's almost all the North Island, two mi- all the South Island. Two million people, that's a big, did you hear about it? It was in the UK. It was huge. Do you know what the process of march was for? It was a march for gay pride. So what are you thinking now? I want to know what you're thinking. The biggest march. I know some people are getting down on me right now. I have a mole in here texting the paper. I don't care. They know I'm up front. Even, it's quite lonely though where I am at the moment. <laughs> so do, do, what do you think about that? Two million people. That is a lot of people. Standing, marching, proclaiming for what? What we thought, you thought, and I hate to even say normal now because everybody thinks, that's old-fashioned, Brian the young ones will say, what a horrible word. Where do you get that from? Normal. Traditional is horrible too to some people. So now it's a hard job for me to, to try and not only to define or redefine, but to hold your ground that you are not looked like a fruitcake, a nutter, a fundamentalist on the outside, that, that a man and a woman is correct, that they get married, that that's a father, the only one that can be a father. Did you know recently that a green, the Green Party Jan Logie, do you know about who she is? She's an M- MP who said that she wanted to have a legislation put forward. This is a New Zealand Parliament. By the way, the world media in 2020, when Jacinda Ardern was voted in by 50% of my country. We're on the back end of a hiding here. 50% voted her in, and the world took uh, two things. Her coming into power with absolute power, so MMP was flicked out the door, no other party to keep her in check. No, nobody could check her, and even the judicial system won't dare try and keep her in check from unbridled power. She says, here I am, I'm Queen B, and i got little Grant here, who happens to be also part of what I just talked about. And the Hipkins and the other ones are all into that lifestyle. The greenies, well, they're boasting about how many LGBTQ... Do you know that we have exactly 12, I think it is, 12... What they call the gay, queer, transgender, lesbian, and um, another one, just freely like that. Well, wait till I get there. I'm just going to Holy Ghost, Revelation, um, you know, man up, the sons of God. You imagine if I put that up in there, I'll get, I'll get booed at. People write them in the paper tomorrow. Even all my friends, the freedom fighters, most of the church will be rail against me. They'll say, you're a nutcase putting up, you know, family, glory, the sons of God, the Holy Ghost power. Well, you know, queer. What sort of word is queer? They're proud of it. They have so branded queer that actually it's pretty powerful in most political thi- um, um, systems in the world. They have huge influence. And the New Zealand the media globally said that New Zealand now has the most queerest parliament. And I'm like, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that. They have 12 MPs in their parliament, which adds up to 10%. They rep- 10% of the MPs in that parliament representing one point, well, I don't even think it's past 1%, of the total population of the gay community. That is totally out of proportion. We've got one Christian I know of, and he's flip-flopping, that's Luxton. He says, I'm a Christian. Then he says, no, I'm not, but I'm not that kind of Christian. I don't go to church. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for abortion. I'm, you know. I said, what kind of Christian is that one? We're a sick society, man. And yet they stand up and say, we're all, and they dance in there. They've got a special rainbow room in our parliament. That place there is looking more and more like the Tower of Babel every day. I'm not getting down, I don't hate them, I'm just saying they got a very big voice. And they're now doing policies for our education system. Their policies also in all building structures. Their policies coming out, they even wanted a rainbow bridge built over here. The Auckland Harbour Bridge and the rainbow one. And they almost got it through, but they thought, oh, hold on a moment, there's still a couple of people out there who protest. Me and you. Forget of a rainbow bridge, give me a kingdom bridge. If you're going to teach about sexualizing my kids at six and seven, eight-year-olds, how to stimulate themselves, well, let me go in there and teach too about the, how, how God's got something better for them. And I'll give you a mission straight away, six and seven-year-olds. Let's go on a mission, and I'll help you know what you're about the Father's business. But they won't let me in. For ages, they've banned me. They've banned you. They've banned the Bible. Chuck Jesus Christ's name out. Now they're all in there, and nobody dares speak again. And if I say anything at my, my freedom meetings, my freedom fighters don't like it. I can hardly talk about my faith. I'm getting there now, because they want to know what, how, when they say no me, they go, wow, you're a good guy. You know, I always have been. So where do you get my courage comes from my faith. Yeah. Yeah. Away I go, and they get, they're quite good. But it's taboo to touch the algae or the rainbow crew. Can't touch them. Because even the supposedly normal people get upset and say, well, you shouldn't be judging other people, Brian. Hey, I'm getting judged every minute. Why don't you go and stand up for me? At least I got a healthy situation. But you can't be, they've got to be free. I said they can be free to do their perversion. I'm into diversity, but not perversity. You tell me that Jan Logie, through the Green Party, I'm just about there, his father's, She wanted to put a legislation through in your parliament that she wanted to take out the wording, the language of pregnant woman. She wanted to drop the woman. And she wanted pregnant people. And the reason why she said, because some transgender men may want to be pregnant. Now, if anybody's hated me up to this point, you surely must be changing your mind now. But I'll know, I'll still have some people maybe... Not in here, maybe it might be one or two, but out there I know I've got tons of them. They'll be railing on me. How dare you? You talk about freedom, what about their freedom? That ain't freedom, that's perversion. That's, you know, look, you know what? You can imagine a group of us guys all standing around, you know, just a couple of years ago having a chat and then thinking that one of us could be pregnant. (laughs) I'm a man. (laughs) Yeah, hey, 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 Yeah. Oh, hey Mark, hey Because they pointed each other, picking on him, you know. Hey Dave, hey Kane. you know. Oh, come on, Sonny, join the thing, you know. We're in there, and the, could you ever be talking there saying one day, you know what, guys, we can actually go and and and, and enter sports events for women? We would have all laughed and said, "You what? You poofter? That's what they're. Like, that's it." And Mark says, yeah, I'm going to enter the weightlifting. Look at my muscles, man. Look at my muscles. All I got on is a wig and i got lipstick and high-heeled shoes. But look at your hairy legs. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that laughed And said, all of New Zealand will boo you out. And you'll never make it to the big stage called the, yeah, the Olympic Games. And here he is. There he is. And there he, there he she gets. <laughs> Who can forget? What's his name? Hubbard. Our mate Hubbard who entered the woman's section and he blew them all away. Well, of course he was the big lump. He had hairy arms, he had muscle, he had a big face. All he had was, I think it was, when he, awesome. he put lipstick on and a wig and, a, and high-heeled shoes. You, and we are protecting this. In New Zealand, you're scared to say something and you're scared to challenge our parliament that's full of them. And they are stealing away our manhood. Jesus came and said, our Father, who art in heaven. He starts off with the, with the male uh, gender, male father. Your God is not a woman, he's a man. <laughs> he had a son, not a daughter. Ladies, don't you get offended. I'll tell you why in a moment. He didn't have a daughter, he had a son. So can you get this? The Father, he keeps the gender right. It's a father. You relate to a father. And Jesus brings the dynamic revelation of father and son. And then he builds a house based on sons. In eternity, is not going to be gender. So here's where you get the reason why the enemy slipped into the whole transgender thing. And you understand that because Galatians says there's neither Greek or Jew, neither slave or woman, and there's neither man or woman. But you are all sons. So the ladies come into that gender as sons that's not changing for what you are now but in the spirit you are all sons spirit has no gender except that it is the father right so the male the, the male gender is talking about knowing that a father is the resource for all that you need in life. He's the resort. The, the Father has all that you need. And I love this about how the Holy Spirit comes. And by the way, when you talk about that, the Holy Spirit is also gender male. Some have said this Holy Spirit is female. It may be, may be because of the gentleness of the dove. It's, uh, it's not feminine. right? <clears throat> Some church people say that's the female part of God. Now you're in transgenderism. The Holy Ghost is a person. But when you're talking about genderism, there is no other gender than father and sons. That's why the woman came out of the man. God would not directly create the woman as he did the man Otherwise, and it was all over. You understand? When he found out he needed another human, you would have thought God would have just made the woman. Woo! He went in, put a deep sleep, and took the rib, and says, "I'm not going away." And so I'll call her Woman Man. And that's the the devil has taken that and twisted, and tried to use transgenderism to pervert the image of Jesus Christ in you. That's good. Just put our hands together, stand up. Thank you so very much. Father. Oh, just imagine if I started off like this. Mother. <laughs> oh, Mother. And you're saying someone said Catholics do. That's, I didn't say that, you did. Mother Mary. Well, that's about all she was on earth. It's Father, Abba, Jesus on the cross, Abba, Father. Abba is a term of deep affection. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. It is Father's Day. But the greatest Father we remember, it's good to remember our biological fathers and the spiritual fathers, but you are the Father of all things, the Father of all life and lights. James 1.17 says, you give every good and wholesome and powerful gift comes from above, from the Father. Isn't that great? Every gift comes from the Father. Lord, because we know this, there is no uh, confusion in our spirit and heart about this. You are the Father of my soul, my life, my spirit. I pray now that fatherhood would rise again strong in my country. Strong dads. Lord, loving dads. Dads that that are there to protect and provide. I pray, Father, that the Man Up movement Now we're becoming almost another presentation of the fatherhood of God and the strength of men finding themselves. And the prodigal son, he came to himself. He came to the realization, I cannot do without a father. i got to get back to the father's house. Isn't that good? I'm calling all men to come to the house of God. That's where you're going to find your true identity. That's where you're going to try, find your true father in ability with your family. Doesn't matter where you are. It's time to come home to the house where the father lives. You know, I was thinking about this. I was just thinking about how powerful it is when, when you know you've got a dad. And like a little kid growing up, mum was really mostly did most of the raising in my family, but it was great to know that even dad was dysfunctional. I had a dad, and I connected other things to my dad to help shore up the missing parts of dad. Like uncles and brothers he had and sisters who were kind. And So I'd gravitate to the best dad brother of his that would give me strength. And But when dad was home, we were still proud of our dad. Even though he'd give us a little wee bit of a dust-up with his fists. <laughs> you know, we love our dad. My dad's still alive. He's probably going to have a look at this later or somebody will tell him. But, you know... Here we are, the most beautiful, loving relationship with my father. It's never too late. And I'm just glad he's still alive, my dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. And, um, you know, Dad's just been such a a different man since he found Christ. Isn't that great? And that's all been healed now. And he gives me nothing but prophecies of greatness and of beauty. Every time I see Dad, he goes, first thing he does, Son, i got a prophecy for you. I say, okay, Dad, spit it out. He said, You'll be great, son, and you will rule the earth. And I said, Oh, thank you, Dad. Like, oh. <laughs> Maybe he's got another different prophecy, just one like a saying, I love you, and your son, you're a great. He doesn't. He comes with another one. It says, You are gonna lead your nation into righteousness, he says, and God will use you. And he said, There you go, son. And I, I just take it, you know, people say, Oh, he's a says, No, he's not. What beautiful words to say from an 87-year-old to a 64 year old. Beautiful. I pray that you will have that kind of relationship if your dad's around and you will be around long if you keep holding that up. Okay, you've been good church. I'm glad you don't mind me going too long. Well, I tell you what, I dismiss you to go and have a a great lunch. How's that?